Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Working late one night, preparing for a court appearance the next morning, I was somewhat taken aback by the sudden breath of the long-forgotten but supremely familiar scent of the desert air. A phantom smell. I was in Boston, far, far away from the desert back home. Why that particular scent came upon me, I couldn't say. But it brought back a strong and disturbing memory. Back when I was in college, I had a remarkably upsetting experience. I was 24, mostly broke, driving an ancient car that had been passed down to me from several previous owners. I was a good kid, though. I never got into any trouble, and when I went home on the weekends, I still lived with my parents. They were always glad to have me, even though Dad threatened to turn my bedroom into a game room. Plus, free laundry machines and food. In my estimation, there was nothing better than my mom's homemade macaroni and cheese. There still isn't. I did well in my studies and was working towards a degree in social work with a focus on child advocacy. My mother used to say I was born to serve. The night it happened, I was driving back from school, headed toward home. My drive was about three hours long and included a very lengthy stretch of desert road. A lonely highway, especially at night. It always creeped me out a little bit, so I typically tried to get through that area before the sun set and left the road in inky blackness. There was not very much to see during the drive anyway. Sparse brush dotting the shoulder of the road, sometimes sand skittering across the blacktop, stirred by a whispered breath of air, or the occasional car. With the windows down, as they usually were, I could smell the creosote and desert sage. The fragrant dry air was how I knew I was nearly home. I usually had the radio cranked up to deafening levels to distract me from the boredom. Now that particular afternoon, I'd gotten a late start. So by the time I got to the desert, the shadows were already drawing long, in purple lines over the scrub and rocks and the sun crowned golden on the bluffs ahead. Sitting in my office, I was transported back in time, caught up in the memory the phantom scent brought with it. Now I saw the chick walking down the long stretch of road about a mile away. This desert road, so straight, so freaking boring. I saw her immediately. She was out of place, a blip on an otherwise empty radar. Even from far off, I knew she was a she, and I also knew that she wouldn't be way out here unless there was something wrong. My mind processed all this pretty quickly, and I resolved just as quickly that I'd stop to see if I could help her. I'm a decent guy, you know? That is, I try to be anyway. But as I got closer, I saw the backpack, her long blonde hair and a ponytail 
draped over the pack like a tassel. Hiking boots. From behind, she was something. That was for sure. And I couldn't wait to get a look at her face. I mean, wouldn't it be great if I rescued a beautiful damsel in distress on a long desert highway? I killed the radio and started humming Hotel California. I rolled to a stop just in front of her and waited for her to approach, my hands totally visible on the wheel. It was getting dark fast now, so though the tops of the faraway hills were still kind of bright, it was sort of dim and purplish down on the road. I didn't want to freak her out by getting out of the car. You know, strange guy, middle of nowhere, long, creepy shadows. Kind of seems like the plot to a bad B-movie. Anyway, sure enough, she walked right up to the car. And then, right by it. Like, it wasn't even there. She just kept going. Same pace. Boots putting distance between her and wherever. She was definitely moving. And at that point, I did jump out of my car. Hey! I yelled. You okay? She paused turned her head around and looked at me like she was confused. Yeah? Why? Oh, well, I thought maybe you needed help. You know, like a ride or something, I said. Nope, I'm good. Thanks anyway. She turned around, ponytail swinging, and continued hoofing it. I stood there like an idiot watching her walk away and didn't know what to do. The desert was super dark at night got pretty cold, too, even in the summer. Admittedly, she didn't seem concerned about her situation, and that backpack looked stuffed full. I guess she probably had some camping gear in there. Maybe she'd be alright, but I really didn't like the idea of just leaving her out here. Bugged me, you know? I jogged a bit to catch up with her. You again? She asked, giving me a sidelong glance. She did not turn her head. She did not stop walking. Yeah, I guess so, I said. What do you want? She asked. And like I said, just thought you might need help. It's getting dark out, like really, really dark. The desert isn't friendly at night and the next town isn't for another 60 miles. You sure you don't need a ride? I promise I'm not a weirdo. I promise, she said, mocking my tone. I'm really okay. Well, if you're sure, I said, doubt lacing my voice. Yeah, I'm sure. See ya, she said, clearly dismissing me. She kept walking. I looked back at my car, which was further away than I expected it to be. Did we really go that far? I shrugged my shoulders and jogged, a little more quickly than before, back to my car. She was pretty but not in a blow-your-socks-off kind of way. She seemed hard, somehow. Like she'd been there, you know? Maybe she had a hard life. I sat behind the wheel of my car for a couple of minutes mulling things over. Did I leave her out here? Did I shadow her? I mean, it's not like she wouldn't know I was there, but it would make me feel better knowing that she was safe. But, wow... Another 60 miles to the next town, even at her pace, which was pretty quick, would take forever. This desert was unsettling at night. Did I take her at her word and just go on? 
As I watched, the shadows swallowed her, her form becoming dimmer and dimmer. Finally, she was barely visible, and then not at all. The sun was only touching the very tips of the hills now, and full dark had taken over the road. I got a serious chill down my spine. I wasn't afraid, exactly. I'd literally been down this highway before. A lot, but that chill, man. I was definitely a little weirded out, you know? It's not every day you find a self-aware, determined, clearly capable blonde chick walking down the road in the middle of the desert. But anyway, I decided to let her be. I needed to get home anyway. As my car started moving, I began looking for her to appear in my car's headlights. I drove an older model Chevrolet. It was really ugly, but it ran like a champ. One headlight pointed straight ahead and kind of up a little, and the other pointed off to the right of the side of the road. I'd gotten used to the weird blind spot, but when I didn't see her after driving for five minutes, because truthfully I should have seen her, she couldn't have gotten that far away yet. I started to get concerned again. I drove for another five minutes and still no sign of her. Now you know that little voice in your head that tells you something? Trust me, that voice usually has pretty good advice. And yeah, I really should have listened to it that night. I told myself she just veered off the road to make camp for the night. And I told myself maybe I just missed her. My headlights were stupid anyway. And I told myself maybe she'd switch sides of the road so that she could see oncoming cars at night. And I told myself all manner of things to try to convince myself not to double back to check on her. But I did. I turned my rust bucket on wheels around in the middle of the road, in the middle of the desert, in what felt like the middle of the night, and I went back the way I came looking for the lone blonde hiker. While I was driving in the opposite direction, that little voice was literally screaming at me to make another Yui and get on home. But that voice could be pretty stubborn, but then again, so can I. And I didn't listen. When I'd driven for 10 or 15 minutes back the way I'd come, I convinced myself I hadn't just missed her. She was not there. Damn, 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 damn. I'm gonna have to track her down. But why should I even care? Why am I making this my responsibility? Just a regular 24-year-old guy. I don't need to take on the world's responsibilities, you know? But I'd feel terrible if I got home, went to sleep in my nice, safe, warm bed, only to wake up tomorrow morning to news that a girl was found dead in the desert. After another hasty U-turn, I was headed back toward home again. I felt better having the nose of my car pointed in the right direction, at least. I stopped the car and snagged my cell phone from the passenger seat. There was no signal out here, so it was pretty much useless, but... It had a flashlight. I activated the little light, which felt like a beacon of hope, and left my car to make a visit to the trunk. The dark surrounded me like a blanket. Well, actually that's not really true, blankets are warm and comforting, and this darkness was not comforting. I rummaged through the crap in my trunk and unearthed the giant bright yellow floodlight I kept back there and I yanked out two of those triangular emergency reflectors. 
once the floodlight was on. I deactivated the little flashlight on my cell phone and tucked the phone back into my pocket, slammed the trunk, and set up the reflectors behind my car. I really didn't want anyone, if anyone even came along, to accidentally slam into my car. I figured I was being pretty responsible. Anyway, I finally turned that giant light toward the desert on the right side of the road and I stood there, sweeping the light back and forth. I saw not much more than some low scrubby brush and a bunch of rocks. It was pretty flat and lifeless, maybe an occasional cactus or two, but not much else. Staying where I was, I turned and swept the light across the left side of the road. I didn't see anything. Back on the right side of the road again, I looked at my feet and stepped down about four inches from the pavement onto the rocky desert sand. Taking a deep breath, I said a little prayer that I would find the girl and everything would be fine. We would laugh at my stupidity and I would go on my merry way. Moving forward, I continued sweeping the floodlight slowly back and forth. It was so quiet out here. And yeah, there were the occasional sounds of small desert creatures scuttling here and there, but nothing major. I listened pretty carefully, too. I could hear the crunch of my sneakers, but that was about it. After walking for about ten more minutes, I decided I should make a wide arc and return to my car. There just wasn't anything out there. I turned a little bit and began the route back to my car, swinging the floodlight around as I had been. And then, I did see something. I really only noticed it because it was out of place. A long shape among a bunch of flat nothing. The reach of my floodlight was pretty far, and this something, this shape, was at the far end of my light, off to the left. Now, keeping the light trained on the shape, I headed in that direction. I was actually feeling pretty hopeful because it looked like, at least from my distance, a sleeping bag. The chick had bedded down for the night under the stars and among the desert scorpions. And as I got closer, I realized I was right. It was a sleeping bag. And then hope filled my heart when I recognized the blonde hair. Hey! I called too loudly in the dead quiet. There was no response. And I found it hard to believe she could have fallen asleep already. Hey, blonde chick. And I called again. I actually said it that way because I knew it might make her respond to me. Girls really don't like to be called chick. I expected her to respond with her name at least. But nothing. No sound. Finally, I was within easy reach, and what I had saw had my heart beating right out of my chest. Girl was there, all right, on top of the sleeping bag, her blonde head propped up on her backpack, and at first I thought she was really just asleep, or at least faking it. She had her hands laced together on her stomach, but when I got up close, I could see I was totally wrong. Her face was gone. In its place was only a sticky skull. Skin, eyes, muscle, and sinew having been eaten away by desert creatures. Her blonde hair still mostly attached. 
The effect was horrifying. Her clothes, she was on top of the sleeping bag, not tucked into it, remember? But her clothes were dirty and torn, and I could see where carrion creatures had eaten holes in her body. I could see her right femur, and I couldn't look away. I was simultaneously terrified out of my mind, and morbidly curious. But finally I noticed the blood, long since dried, that had pooled in copious amounts underneath her. A giant dark stain on her sleeping bag, the handle of a large hunting knife sticking straight up out of her chest, just under her sternum. Realizing the truth and suddenly feeling like a coward, my gorge rising, I ran. I booked it back to my car as fast as I could go, and I was so grateful for that giant floodlight. I would never have found my car again without it. I think I drove the last 60 miles to town in about 20 minutes. My first stop was at the police station to report what I'd seen. It was only as the story was coming out of my mouth that I understand what I'd really seen. The girl I'd talked to on the side of the road, the one that I worried about enough that I went searching for her, she was the ghost of the body I'd found, covered in blood, sitting in the desert. The officer I'd been talking to watched me carefully, understanding in a second what I'd only just understood myself. Now as daylight came, man that was the longest night of my life, but as daylight came I was in the back of a police car headed out to the desert road once again. I tried to explain to them that I would never be able to find the exact location again. Everything looked the same, but they insisted I go along. After a while the officer who was driving said to his partner, Look Mick, look here. He was pointing at something ahead and off to the left a bit. I craned my neck to see what they saw. They were looking at two triangular emergency reflectors and some serious skid marks on the asphalt. I still had the newspaper article somewhere. Jesse Norris, runaway, age 18, missing for nearly a year, finally discovered in the middle of the desert. There wasn't much to go on time and elements having washed away any real evidence. It was surmised she'd hitched a ride and was murdered by whomever picked her up. Her parents, at least, had been glad to finally have some closure. What the newspaper article never mentioned, however, was the means by which she had been found. The officers and the staff writer for the newspaper had both decided it was better to leave out the part about her being a ghost. She still haunts me though, I'd still seen her face, so world-wise and wary as she spoke to me when I'd offer her a ride. I prefer to remember her like that, instead of the nightmarish skeleton she'd become when I finally found her. Years later, mom will sometimes call me to report another sighting. Jessie is still hiking that long stretch of desert road.